0: Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to join me in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In chapters 3 and 4, Paul makes some astounding statements about the Gospel. He calls it, in chapter 3, the New Covenant. He calls it the ministry of life. The ministry of the Spirit. The ministry of righteousness. He calls it the transforming glory of the Lord. In chapter 4 and verse 4, he calls it the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And probably the most astounding statement is in chapter 4 and verse 6, where he calls it the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ it is this bright glorious light radiating from the face of Christ and revealing the glory of God springing up suddenly out of midnight darkness so it's an overwhelming picture that Paul paints here and it's incredible And as we're trying to fathom how incredible it is, Paul hits us with another statement that I find even more incredible. And that's in verse 7. He says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What's the treasure? It's the glorious light of the gospel. It's the majestic, radiating glory of God. And where is it? It's in earthen vessels. What are the earthen vessels? It's our bodies. When it gets to verse 10, he says that. It's our body. When it gets to verse 11, he says it's our mortal flesh. That's an incredible thing. The light of the glory of the gospel, the glory of God resides in you and me, and we are earthen vessels. And to help us understand just how incredible that is, I want to camp out in this one verse. And I want you to see three things this morning. The pot, the power, and the paradox. First of all, the pot. The word translated earthen vessels in my translation is a Greek word that simply means earthenware. It's a word used to describe plain, ordinary, run-of-the-mill pots. That's not a very complimentary term. Have you ever thought of yourself as an earthen vessel? Have you ever thought of yourself As a clay pot. This is not the only place in Scripture we're referred to this way. In Romans chapter 9, it says, We are the clay and God is the potter. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says, He's the potter and we're all vessels made just the way He wants to make us. And so this is an apt description of basic humanity earthen, made from the earth, clay which is exactly what your body is made out of. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, the Lord formed man of dust from the ground. And when man sinned, God said in Genesis 3.19, you are dust. What did the songwriter say? All we are is dust in the wind. That's biblical. You are dust, God says, and to dust you shall return. Isaiah 64.8 says, we are the clay, and you are the potter, and all of us are the work of your hand. We are earthen. We are clay. And he says we are vessels. What are vessels for? Well, vessels are to hold something. A vessel that isn't holding anything is just empty. It's function is to hold something, which is exactly what your body is made to do. We are designed to contain something. And what is it that we are designed to contain? The amazing answer is God in all his majesty. We are made to contain the treasure, which is the light of the glory of God. And if you don't find that incredible this morning, then you don't have a pulse. God made you a clay pot so that you could hold the most valuable treasure in the universe. The glory of God. Wow. When you think about that, it's got to make you spin. God designed you in just such a way that you would hold His incredible glory, His incredible presence inside of you, and you're a clay pot. Now, just so you get this, I'm going to remind you of four things that should be obvious. Number one, there is nothing special about a clay pot. Clay is common. The most available commodity on our earth is what? Clay. Our earth is made of clay. It's dirt cheap. He doesn't say here you're fine china. He doesn't say here you're a rare gold vase. He says you're a clay pot. Nothing special about a clay pot. Second, there's nothing powerful about a clay pot. remember. Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2, he, he views this huge statue and it's made of gold and silver and bronze and iron and it's a picture of the nations of the world that would rule in the future. And what is the downfall of the statue? It has clay feet. You see, clay is fragile. Clay is weak. Clay is breakable. He doesn't say here, you're stainless steel, or you're iron, or you're bronze. You are a clay pot. Nothing strong about a clay pot. Third, a pot is designed to hold something. A pot is not an object in itself. It's not a piece of art. Please get this. God did not create you to be a decoration. He created you to contain something valuable. I assume, like me, in your kitchen, you have some pots. When your pots are sitting empty, they are not fulfilling their purpose. In fact, a pot is not truly a pot. Until it's got some spaghetti or soup or peas in it. Then it's a pot. In the same way, my life is a contradiction until I understand that God created me to contain something. I went through my house last night and looked for pots. And I found this pot. It sits on my refrigerator. It's a lovely pot. It's been uh, painted and glazed and fired. In fact, it really kind of stands alone as something pretty. It sits on my fridge. There's nothing in it. It's just a pot that says, look at me. Some people are like this pot. We think we're doing God a favor just by being around. We think God should be pleased that we just sit on His shelf. We are drawing attention to ourselves. Look at me. Look at my talents. Look at my abilities. Look at how pretty I am. By the way, I went to Dr. Martin this week for my sinuses. He found a couple pre-cancer spots and he said, You know, I can make you look prettier. I said, have at it. Don't try that. Here's another pot I found in my house. Very plain pot. In fact, it's really an ugly pot. But it's doing what a pot is supposed to do it is holding something, in this case, flowers. Let me ask you a question. Which pot are you? Are you a pot that draws attention to itself and really does not hold and contain what God has designed for you to contain? Are you a pot that really highlights and shows attention and stays in the background and says what really matters is what I contain? Which in our case is the treasure of the glory of God. God created you to be a plain pot containing something very valuable. Fourth obvious thing. To hold what God designed, you have to empty yourself. You know, we sometimes think that God doesn't need anything or anybody. But when we understand this truth, we have to realize that in one sense, God needs empty pots to fill up with His treasure. The problem is, a lot of us are already filled up with other things. We're filled up with ourselves. We're filled up with greed of money. We're filled up with desire for success. We're filled up with idols that take up our heart and take up our life. See, God can't fill a pot that isn't empty. Some of us are filled up and overflowing with things that will not matter a million years from now. We were designed to contain What God wants to put inside of us, which is His treasure of the glory of Christ. There's a fascinating miracle in the life of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 4. Elisha had a group of prophets that followed him around, and one of those prophets died. He left a widow and two sons. They owed money, and so the creditor came and said to the widow, If you don't pay me today, I'm going to take your two sons and make them slaves. It's a good lesson. Don't sign your children away as collateral on a loan. So she comes to Elisha and says, what am I going to do? And he said, well, what have you got? And she said, I've got a jar of oil in my house. And he said, I want you to go around to your neighbors and gather all the empty vessels, all the empty pots you can. Bring them into your house. And then pour the oil into those empty vessels. And don't just get a few. Get as many as you can. So she sent her sons out and she went out and they brought in all these pots and they filled their house with empty pots. And she took the oil and she began to pour and she filled up one pot and then she filled up the next pot and the next pot. In the next pot and she got to the last pot and she filled it up and she said to her son do we have any more pots and he said that's all the pots we can find and the oil went dry and she took those pots of oil and she sold them paid off her debt and then her and her sons lived on the rest of the profit I'm sure she thought to herself I wish I'd gotten more pots If you look at miracles in the Bible, there's usually a message in the miracles. I think there's a message in this miracle. I think the empty vessels are us. And oil in Scripture always is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. What is the message? When we present ourselves as empty vessels... God fills us with His Holy Spirit. Whoever will come to God as a plain pot and say, I'm empty of everything else, God wants to fill us up with His treasure. So point number one is the pot. That's you. Point number two is the power Why would God put His majestic glory in an earthen vessel? Why would God put a treasure of limitless value in a clay pot? Well, the answer is in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be from God and not from ourselves. Why does God put His treasure in clay pots? So that it will be apparent to all that the power is not from us. It's from God. Does that sound familiar? Paul has been saying that throughout this letter. And he will continue to say it throughout this letter. It is the theme of 2 Corinthians. We said it's authentic Christianity. And the theme that runs throughout is everything from God Nothing from us. God puts the treasure of His glorious light in clay clay pots so there will be no question where the power comes from. The Greek word for treasure is an interesting word. It's the word thesaurus, from which we get our word thesaurus. Inside my thesaurus is a literary and verbal treasure trove of words. There's my thesaurus. See that? It's probably the most used book in my library. If you're a writer, you can't live without a thesaurus. What's interesting to me is, this is a great illustration that you can't tell a book by its cover. cover's worn out. The book's beat up. But inside is the treasure trove of words. Same is true of you and me. You can't tell a person by their appearance. I'm a clay pot. You know how much power is in me? Not just power, look at verse 7. He says, the surpassing greatness of the power of God. The power of God is in you. It is great, but it is beyond great. It is surpassing greatness of power inside of a clay pot. can't tell a book by the cover. You can't tell a person by their appearance. If you want to look at it another way, when it gets down to verse 10 and verse 11, he calls it the life of Jesus. You can't tell a book by the cover. The plainest, most unlikely clay pots contain the priceless treasure of the life of Jesus Christ. Wow. Can I share with you A transforming truth. Please get this this morning. I'm sorry. Christianity is not following a bunch of rules. Christianity is not trying to imitate Jesus. Did you get that? Because a lot of people get confused by this. Christianity is not trying to imitate Jesus. Because trying to imitate Jesus is performance-based religion. And it will lead you to misery and failure. That's the fatal flaw with the what would Jesus do bracelet. We ask the question, what would Jesus do? And then we do it. Hello? You can't do what Jesus did. Jesus got in storms and stood up and said, peace be still. You try that. And watch for the lightning. Even if I know what Jesus would do, I don't have the power in me to do what Jesus would do so rather than a what would Jesus do bracelet I suggest that you get a what will Jesus do in me if I let him bracelet gotta have a big wrist what will Jesus do in me if I empty myself and let him fill me up with his life? See, that's authentic Christianity. The power doesn't come from the clay pot. That's obvious. The power is in the clay pot. It's God's power in me. Third point. The paradox. There is a paradox at work here. God has this treasure in clay pots so that, verse 7 says, the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. And then he goes on, and we're going to look at this next time, but he goes on to say in verse 8, we are afflicted, we are perplexed. Verse 9, we are persecuted, we are struck down. Verse 10, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Verse 11, For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. You see the paradox? The weaker the clay pot is, the more God's power is revealed. The more I die to self, the more the life of Jesus is manifested. And since verse 6 says, the treasure is the light, then we can say the more the clay pot is cracked and broken, the more God's light shines out. we love to establish pecking orders we do it almost subconsciously we we evaluate people on the basis of their wealth their education their status their title and unconsciously oftentimes we're saying well they're a little above me or they're a little below me the beautiful thing is that the ground is level at the foot of the cross And everybody comes the same way, as a broken clay pot. And I'm here to tell you today that God doesn't fix you. He uses you broken. And the more broken you are and the more broken you stay, the more God's light can shine through you. And God's power can be revealed in you. That's a paradox. I love Acts chapter 4, where the Jewish leaders observed the confidence of Peter and John. Not self confidence, as we learned in the first part of chapter 3, but God confidence. They saw their confidence and they said, These guys are uneducated and untrained, they are broken pots. And what did they recognize? They recognized that they had been with Jesus. It doesn't add up that these guys could accomplish anything because they're broken pots, but they recognized Jesus working through them. Paul wrote to this same church in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26-29. to Here's what he said, Not many of you are wise by human standards, Not many are influential. Not many are of noble birth. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before Him. He's saying you're a church full of crackpots. Why? Because God wants to work through your weakness so you won't have anything to brag about except him. In the missions conference last weekend, Brian Lewis traced his spiritual heritage back to Dwight L. Moody. Moody only had a third grade education. He was never ordained. He never went to seminary. And yet in the late 1900s, God used him to shake two continents for Jesus Christ. Those who heard him said he butchered the English language. They said he pronounced the word Jerusalem in only one syllable. He was invited one time to speak to a group of educated clergymen in England, and here's how he opened his message. These words, don't never think that God don't love you, for He do. Moody was a crackpot, but he was an empty pot who allowed God to fill him with the treasure of Jesus Christ. Dr. Harry Ironside said about our verse in order for a light to shine out of a vessel, it has to be broken. One may know all about the way of life and yet never communicate light to others because that one has never been broken in the presence of God. Have you been broken? Are you broken today? Are you a cracked pot? You see, the more you are broken the brighter you shine i love the story of gideon in judges chapter 6 the bible tells us the angel of the lord showed up to talk to gideon and it said that it says that gideon was beating out wheat in a wine press now a wine press is made to put grapes in, and then you wash your feet real good, and you stomp on them, and there's a little valve at the bottom, and the it's like a juicer without electricity. You beat out wheat, you threshed wheat on a, on, a, on a flat area of ground where you could throw the wheat up in the air on a threshing floor and have the wind blow the chaff away, and the heavier grain would fall down. That's the way you thresh wheat, but he was doing it in a wine press, which means he was in a big... Uh, stone cylinder down in the bottom. And it tells us why. Because the Midianites had oppressed Israel for seven years. So he had a little bit of grain and he was hiding it from the Midianites. And he was down inside this little cylinder with no wind, beating out the thresh, the, the, the grain so that he gets, could get a meal. He was in the lowest situation you could be in. You ever bale hay? Get all sweaty and get it, it's sticking all over you and he's frustrated and he's down in there trying to get this done and trying to hide as he is. God shows up. You know what God says to him? He says, hi. No, he didn't say hi. He said, you are a mighty warrior. This guy's at his lowest. Surrounded by the enemy. Nobody's touched the enemy for seven years. God calls him a mighty warrior. Because God doesn't see us for who we are. He sees us for who we can be when he gets inside of us. Gideon says, are you talking to me? I'm from the least family in Israel and I'm the least guy in my family. I'm the runt of the litter. You ever make excuses like that? Let me tell you something. When you make excuses like that, it's not an excuse. It's a prerequisite to be used by God. Everybody God used made excuses. Moses made excuses. David was left out feeding the sheep, the last guy they would have picked. Jeremiah said, I'm too young. Gideon said, I'm the least. God says, you're my man. He says, I'm going to use you to bring victory. And then he makes a great statement. He says, I'm going to be with you. And you're going to defeat Midian like one man because one plus God is a majority. Then he says, here's the game plan. Midian's got 135,000 soldiers. Israel has 32,000 soldiers. That's four to one odds. God says you got too many soldiers. I want you to go to your army and say, whoever is afraid, go home. 10,000 smart guys went home. I'm sorry, 22,000 smart guys went home. They we left 1,000. That's 13 to 1 odds. God says that's too many. So they take them down to drink. And we were in Israel this summer. We saw the creek where they drank. And everybody who drank like a dog, which means you just stick your head down and lap up the water, went home. Everybody who brought the water up to their mouth got to stay. So it it wasn't a matter of which was the best soldier, strongest soldier. It's how did you drink? They were left with 300 soldiers. That's 450 to 1 odds. God says I'll take that why because God likes to work through clay pots then he says here's the strategy I want you to take your 300 men and I want you to surround the army of the Midianites Midianites which is a huge accomplishment with 300 men to surround 135,000 and I want you to take three things with you a trumpet a pitcher and a torch I want you to blow the trumpet Put the torch in the pitcher, break the pitcher, and then hold up the light and shout, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And the Midianite army will get all flustered in the night and they'll kill each other. kind of strategy you want to sign up for? You know what the trumpet represents? Boldness. They didn't just tiptoe out there. Then they tiptoe out there and they blow a trumpet, which brings attention to yourself. Our guide in Israel pointed out to me this summer. He said, you know, the trumpet in Israel, and we saw them, are ram's horns. So it's something that's dead that you breathe life into, and it produces sound. It's symbolic of us. So they blew the trumpet, and then they had to break the pitcher, the clay pot, which is symbolic of our brokenness. Victory never comes until we're broken. Because when we're broken, then the light of God comes out. In our economy, when something's broken, we think it's worthless. Your computer gets broken, you get rid of it. A a pitcher gets broken, you throw it in the trash. Let me tell you something very significant. In God's economy, when something is broken, it's more valuable. The clay pot is more valuable when it's broken because it reveals the light. Jesus broke the five loaves and the two fish to feed the multitudes. Mary came to Jesus to anoint him with oil. And what did she have to do first? She had to break the alabaster jar. When something's broken, it's more valuable. And then the torch is the brightness. When we are broken in total submission to God, His light shines brightly out of us. One of the greatest compliments I ever got was somebody who's actually sitting in this room right now. And she came to me and she said, you know, You've been through a lot in your life. And all that you've gone through has created cracks. But she says, I see Jesus shining through the cracks in your life. That's what we're called to. We're called to be broken. Life will break you, God will allow things to break you. Let it happen. But let His light shine out through your brokenness. Because it's not about our strength. It's about His strengths through us. One other thing was broken. And that was the body of Jesus. Jesus' body was broken in order to provide salvation for you and me. And as we close our service today, we're going to take the bread and we're going to take the cup. It's set up at stations here. We're going to have some songs playing. I want you to come to the table. If you're a believer, you're welcome. You don't have to be part of this church. Come and take the bread and take the cup and remember the broken body of Jesus and the blood that was poured out to provide us salvation. He was broken for you. And today, He's asking you to be broken afresh for Him. Will you let Him break you today? Will you empty yourself today in order to let Him fill you and let His light shine out of you? Maybe before you come to the table, you want to come and kneel on the steps in brokenness, in the expression of brokenness to the Lord, and then take the bread and the cup in remembrance of all that He did for you. Let's pray together father thank you that you are not asking us to be great people you are not asking us to do heroic things you are simply asking us to surrender ourselves to be broken as clay pots so that you can fill us up to empty ourselves of all the stuff that we fill ourselves up with and take pride in. Lord, to empty ourselves of ourselves so that you can fill us up with you and you can accomplish those things that you want to in our lives. As we take the bread and the cup today and remember the ultimate one who was broken, we pray that we might truly follow him in his example by being broken before you this morning. And we will give you all the glory in Jesus' name.